0: message today which is entitled Open to God. And it brings with it a challenge to me and a challenge to all of us about opening our heart up to God. Now before I, well in that I do need to say though I've been pondering this book for a couple of months now, um, The Prodigal God by Timothy Keller, one that I found on on the library shelves out the back Um, and one that God has been speaking to me through. So, as we look at this being open to God, if if you've got your Bibles, if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 15, we have a very common parable where Jesus teaches a group of Pharisees and religious people about a lot of different stuff. There's an amazing amount of stuff in this parable. And it is commonly titled, The Parable of the Lost Son. To illustrate the point further, this is verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate, now, before you die. So, his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money on in wild living. About that time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local f- farmer to hire him and the man sent him to feed into his fields to feed the pigs. The man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses he said to himself at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare and here I am dying of hunger I will go home to my father and say father I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me as one of your hired ser- honours, a hired servant. Now with that, I want to pause. Um, think about those words that he's just said to his father. Um, Dad. Yeah, um, I was hoping you might be dead by now. But you're not. Um, but I still want your stuff. So can I have all of your stuff as if you're dead? How do you think that conversation would go down? Well, much to the surprise of everyone who's hearing the story, who are good Jewish religious people, who know what society says, who knows that this young son is dishonouring his father, who expect the father now to say, Get out and never come back, disown him entirely and give him none of the inheritance. Much to their surprise, he ignores every social convention of the day wherein he should disown, beat, and disinherit him. Dad becomes the laughing stock of the village by selling up property. Dad replies, okay, son, here it is. Do with it what you want. There, my words, not the Bible's. In this parable, I want us to see more of, I believe it's more about the father than it is about the son, or sons. Um, And I also want to get really personal with you this morning. Um, In my own family, outside observers would have said that This younger son was like my brother, who at some stage, well, early in his teenagehood, got into drinking and drugs and dropped out of school and lived what we as a society would call a wayward life. Um, And yet, I don't think Jesus' whole point is all about what a wayward life looks like, and what can happen. So let's keep going. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now is returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so they began to party. Now again, I want to pause. I want us to consider the fact that Jewish society and men of standing—that is, landholders, who we know the father was—he he, he owned this land. Um, they don't run. It's an undignified to run, thing to run. You have servants that run. You have messengers. You have children that you could tell to run. You don't run. And yet this father runs. And that there, actually, that simple thing of running to his son shows us and reflects his heart. The father doesn't even wait for an apology, doesn't wait to let him grovel, doesn't give him the chance to Promise the world in return for any sort of forgiveness or restitution. He ignores the son's attempts at that, in fact, because he has already made up his mind that this son is going to be restored. He spares no expense at showing the full hospitality of a re- to a reunited son and family a ring is a ring of belonging a ring of full acceptance or and not only that he throws a party for the whole community it was possibly one of the biggest parties he'd ever thrown and yet we see his priority in what he's doing he wanted the whole community to know that he had fully accepted his son. And we go on and we hear about the other brother, the elder son. Meanwhile, the elder the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he was told. And your, fam- your father has killed a fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older son was angry and wouldn't go in. He wouldn't go in. Mm. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And all, in all... That time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And that's where the story ends. But there's a few more things to note in it. This party is no simple dinner. It is possibly the biggest occasion the father has put on. And he is slapped in the face by the elder brother now. Because when the whole reason for the party is a family reunion and half the family don't show up, people are going to start asking questions. People are going to start saying, oh, oh, great that there's food. Let's enjoy this. Awesome that he's paying for it. Oh, but wait, doesn't... Oh, he's not here. Oh. Look out. And um, so he slaps his dad in the face by staying outside. Everyone would notice his absence and begin to gossip it is terrible for the family name when he won't join in the celebration and then dad ign- again ignores all the social conventions of the day by demeaning himself and going out to the younger son, to the older son jewish society was a very hierarchical System. There was a very clear and strict guidelines about where the child should honor the parents, even if not everybody did it well. Dad, the dad demeans himself again by going out. And what's more, he begs. And we are specifically told that he begs his elder son. Again, fathers don't beg sons. They command sons. They request, they instruct, they train, they don't beg. That's just not what you do. And yet the father is not worried about his own reputation. He cares not for what he realises are not entirely and always applicable rules. And he says no. He begs his son. The Jewish religious teachers listening tightly held that honouring your parents, or at least appearing to, was really, really important. So again, here the proper response of the father, the proper response of the father, should have been to chastise, to condemn the elder son for this very public slap in the face, not to beg him. And then we see... The key word in the elder son's statement, where he realises, or well, where he says, and I have slaved for you. Is this how our relationship with Dad is meant to be? He his attitude is all wrong. God's heart is for you. And I, as an elder brother, have always known this. I understand the family business. As a Christian for many years, I know and have read many times this parable before. I can remember out at Colliamboli as a five-year-old, receiving in our family was we received communion when we were able to understand and explain what it meant. And and I remember as a five-year-old knowing what the bread and the juice was for and believing it for myself to be true. Yet recently I've seen this parable should better be titled Two Lost Sons. Because each is equally lost in their own way. Their own different way. The younger son ignored the rules and demanded property. The elder son follows the rules but demeaned and dismissed the relationship that was actually the whole heart of of it. As the elder brother, in our text, my life has always looked good. It's been one of service, of having the right answers, of doing the right things for dad. I've worked hard for a long time through my many hours. On the end of a church mop, I've earned the favour of God. As a sacrificing Christian, I believe I deserve God's blessings. Even as a long-term Christian, though, though I'm well-trained in the Bible and ministry, I've found myself becoming a lost son. I've been an elder brother, working for my service to count, trying to earn my goat. I've come to feel a sense of entitlement. And yet, where is my joy? Where is my achievement? I have cried out within me, Dad, where is my goat? Both elder brother and younger in this story need to open up their hearts to God and realise his heart is for them. His love, his grace... His sufficiency and his power. The great lengths he goes to to redeem each of his two sons is the key in this parable. As an elder son, I have had open hands to help, but a closed off heart. Jesus spoke this parable to a crowd of men like me. I have been caught out. I am undone. Jesus has told us all that I am lost. Yes, I am undone by this parable. Jesus calls out my folly, your goat. (laughs) It's all yours. Everything that I have is yours. The scripture tells us. Do we so easily forget that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and yet We care about our goat. I care about my goat. The elder son is very lost. Even though society doesn't look like, doesn't say that he's lost. The rules of society at the time would have made him a great son, honouring his dad and all was good, except for the whole not going into the party. And yet Jesus is teaching us something much greater in this, much bigger. As you can see this morning, our question is, Am I available? Am I open to God? Will I let God speak into my life, or is this all just another message I've heard before? Uh, missions Month is not a new concept for us, or and to start it off by saying by our our thing of being open to God is not just about looking at the missions aspect of it, but about opening ourselves up wholly and fully to God. Twelve years ago at a conference, our International Missions Director, Pastor Barry Silverback, OAM, then in his late 60s, was asked how he keeps on going in being effective in in Christian service. The simple answer was, for us all, a challenge that we have to have compassion for the lost and keep compassion. The lost, the needy, the hurting, the orphaned, the widowed. As soon as we let our hearts start to callous over, we are at risk of becoming ineffective in ministry and to stop growing in God. Of course, he wasn't saying anything new only highlighting for us Jesus' teachings. So next, I would like to take us to another parable, wherein Jesus addresses a similar crowd and again hits home an important message to them, particularly, which also applies to us today. If we are open to God, it means starting to see the world as he sees it. It means becoming more like him and more like him all the time. Dad is dad. That means, as creator, he fully has the right to tell us what he wants. Hear his heart as we look in Luke chapter 10 at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Luke 10, verses 25 onward. One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, What should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbour? Now, by telling this parable, Jesus was calling out the hypocritical and judgmental lawyer that was testing him. Testing someone, the teacher, is never a good place to start. That is, he is calling out the older brothers in his audience who have a slave-like mentality and attitude to acts of service, following the religious rules without any fear, without any real compassion for people. That is, having a form of religion, they think they are doing what dad wants, yet without really understanding him at all or his heart, in reality, their hypocritical lives are missing the mark entirely because they have got the completely wrong target. As we hear in the parable, I ask us to imagine hearing this for the first time. On that day. Verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to the Samaritan, soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn, where he took care of him. The next day he he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, Telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher again, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed mercy on him. Jesus answered, Yes, now go and do the same. Now, to help us get into the context of this parable, of the fact that this is an all-call, about 100% availability. I want to quote, and we're actually going to listen to, the Reverend Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. From his speech, I've been to the mountaintop, given on the 3rd of April 1968, which was the day before his assassination. Thanks, guys. have been mean to them. I'm getting them to start halfway through a video. Let's see how we went.
1: And as soon as we got on that road, I said to my wife, I can see why Jesus used this as the setting for his parable. It's a winding, meandering road. It's really conducive for ambushing. You start out in Jerusalem, which is about 1,200 miles, or rather 1,200 feet above sea level. And by the time you get down to Jericho, 15 or 20 minutes later, you are about 2,200 feet below sea level. That's a dangerous road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the Bloody Path. You know, it's possible that the priest and the Levite looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robbers were still around. Or it's possible that they felt that the man on the ground was merely faking. And he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there. Love them there for quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by, and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? That's the question before you tonight.
0: Not if I stop
1: to help the sanitation worker.
0: Again, this was a very realistic story, the same as the father and the two sons, two Jesus listeners in the day. The priest and the Levite had been in Jerusalem, probably to worship, or at least it was something that they would have done there, worshipping at the temple. And now on their way down this windy, treacherous and steep 25-kilometre path through dry, rocky desert down to Jericho. The Samaritans, who were they? Well, they were considered to be half-castes by the Jews. They had supposedly denied their, their heritage and their faith some hundreds of years before. So they were really hated. Any good Jew listening would immediately have assumed that the the robbers were the Samaritans in this story. And then Jesus, again, gives them a stark contrast by as the Samaritan is the hero, in fact. Jesus challenges us. His call... is to love. His call is to love those that are, that it is hard to love. It is a call of 100% availability. Active love, self-sacrificing love. Dangerous love. Love for enemies. Love for strangers. For haters and fighters, for the hard-headed and the arrogant, for the makers of mischief and the doers of evil. We are not just called to love our friends. He says elsewhere that even sinners do that. It is an all call. We are called to love the wayward, younger brothers. We are called to love the unlovables of society. We are called to love the radical, we are called to radical, radical love of addicts and activists, the haters of good and the lovers of evil, the hurters and the harmers, our very enemies. Our love is called to be radical. How and why and where? Anywhere. Everywhere. Wherever it is needed most. Wherever the Lord leads us. Wherever the Lord calls you. How? With God. He loved us first. So that we can love others. He empowers us with his spirit and then calls us to be his witnesses. In Jerusalem... Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth the Samaritans and the Jews were cr- to, for them to reach out to each other was crossing a strong and distinct cultural boundary that they both liked to have the Jews hated the Samaritans the Samaritans hated the Jews and we don't like talking to each other and Jesus says no go to them Because he shows that the neighbour was the one who broke across those boundaries in the first place. Earlier on, I, I talked in the first person about myself being the oldest son. The elder son, even though I'm the youngest of my own parents. That's because this message is personal to me. I have to be open to God. I have to... Realize that my attitude isn't right, that I need to call out the wrong as Jesus was calling out the wrong in his audience that day, both of these days. And I need to again come back to a truth that I've heard, to a truth that I've known and say, God, open my heart up to you. I'm going to ask our ushers to hand out the communion for us. I'm not sure where you fit in the story of the two lost sons. In reality, you're neither. I am neither. If I am. Received by Christ, if I am a Christian, I am made new. The old is gone, the new has come. And yet, sometimes we find ourselves acting like the old man. We find our attitudes line up better with who we were, not who we are. We find that the redeeming that Christ has done for us is not actually being lived out or walked out by us at the time. And so today I feel like the ambassador of Christ that we are all called to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Except that I cry out I feel like I need to cry out and plead to myself. And I quote, I implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. And so I call out to all the old other elder brothers out there. Quit judging others. Stop belligerently ignoring your father's heart. Because your hard work and your righteous acts and toils for the Lord, they are like filthy menstrual rags. If you are not in Christ, if you are not drawn into the father's heart. O church, I cry out. Oh, James, listen to me now. Come hear my heart. Actually listen to your father. He is coming out to you. Even though you insult him by not coming inside the party, even though you mock at the foot of my cross, Dad still loves you. Dad still wants you. He is yours. He is yours. It is all yours. Because of what he has done. Because of the cross. Because of the cross, we need to be open to God. Because of the cross, we can be open to God. Let us stand and consider the cross. Jesus, your cross. As we picture ourselves there, ashamed we hear our mocking voice call out among the scoffers. But Lord, we know that you did it anyway. We know that you love us still. We know you made the way for the younger son and the elder son to come back to be redeemed, to be reconciled to a loving heavenly father. And so, Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your work, your price that we deserved, that you paid. We thank you for the cost, that you did not shy away at the cost, even though it was everything. Lord, we take this bread, remembering your body that was physically beaten and broken, taunted and tormented, torn and ripped apart for our sake. Lord, we remember your blood, the blood that cut a new covenant between God and mankind, the blood that redeems, the blood that is great, that is powerful. Lord, teach us. Let this blood soften our hearts to you. Let this blood open up our hearts and bring that life giving oxygen to every part. Every part of our lives, every muscle in our bones and bodies. We thank you, Lord, that you did it all. That you are the one who made the way. That the story of the lost sons is really the story of the loving father. Thank you for your love for me. Let it renew me. Help me renew my mind to apply the truth every day, to grow in you. Thank you, Lord, for your blood poured out for me. Let us drink together. Church, we are called to open ourselves up to God. To help, to let Him speak again into our hearts. Why? Because He cares about those that are beaten up on the Jericho Road. He cares about the ones in our neighborhood. And He cares about the ones in distant lands. Who don't have churches that they can go to in their own language and culture. We are called to be open to God that He can speak and lead and use us and command His army. His army of sons and daughters, not an army of slaves. Lord, break our slavehood mentality, break my slavehood mentality. Help us to know you as the intimate lover, as we read in Song of Songs. Help us to know you as the giving father. Help us to hear your heart and to change ourselves, to let you change us as your powerful love can do and only. Your powerful love can do. Church, if you need to respond to this this morning, you can now. If you need to say to God, I am open, I am available, help me be open and available more, you can do that. This is not a brand new message. This is an old truth that we need to apply. Many years ago, I stepped over the line of 100% availability to say, God, if you lead me, I'll go. I will do, I will be who, where, and whatever you call me to be. That line is before you today. It means loving the ones you find the hardest to love. It means going to the places you really don't want to go. Being available to God means saying that if he leads you anywhere, you will follow. Being 100% available, being fully open, is no small ask. When I talk about myself as becoming the lost son again, I'm not talking about my salvation being questioned, but I'm talking about my life being killed off, my my relationship with my father being harmed on my side because I am getting calloused in my heart towards him. Let me tell you, church, he is the heart surgeon. He is the one who can restore that fully. And he can do it for you. All you need to do is ask. So if you want to ask right now, you do it. You make it clear and plain and say, God, I will do. I will be. I will go. Where, what and who you want me to be who you've created and designed me to be before the foundation of the world. Help me be that person. Help me do the good works you prepared beforehand in advance for me to do. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one who loves, who listens, Who hears the cry of our hearts saying we need you more? Speak truth, speak life into our bones. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, um, as we're collecting your tithes and offerings, as well as your.